It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Party Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome back to the Lombardi Line. This show, as always, presented by DraftKings alongside Will Hill, host of the Should Have Bet More podcast, in for our guy Michael Lombardi today. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. We've got a great hour ahead. In addition to all of the NFL, college hoops, NBA talk we're going to have, Will is also sweating Major League Baseball spring training as we speak. How's it going, Will? That sentence felt a little judgy. I feel like I'm being what? judged a little Me? bit. Like a little, Yeah, a little remember. bit. There was 15% of, I, I picked up a tone. I don't know if the audience feels the same way. It's good. Uh, you never can relax too much with these unders, but under eight and a half, there were some nines out there. One nothing, I think, in the fourth inning. I think the run scored on a, there was two outs, and the guy lost the fly ball in the sun, and then, of course, two out RBI single. So, But one nothing, we're in good shape. The home team is winning, so that could shave a possible half inning off if, the, if this score holds with the uh, home team winning. Obviously, they're not going to bat in the bottom of the ninth. That's the case, so. Yeah, get, getting through the show here with uh, with some spring training baseball. Yeah, I appreciate the hustle. And for anybody, by the way, if you are into betting spring training, we're about a month or so away from opening day for these regular season games. But our guy Adam Burke has a spring training betting primer available on vcin.com right now. But hey, you do you if you want a day sweat. And especially since you've been cashing tickets the last few days, keep it rolling. You won on Miami against UNC, taking the points yesterday, as well as taking the points with a ranked Baylor team at TCU. Can we push that forward tonight? night in college hoops do you have a favorite college basketball bet today there's a few i like i do like byu getting i think it's six and a half let me look at see if yeah, the numbers updated there were some six six and a halfs yeah it's a that's just a lot of points i byu's been bad on the road and kansas has been great at home so that's why the disparity here but these are about equal ish teams and uh just it's just a lot of points mccullough for kansas still iffy he's one of their better players probably going to be a first round pick He's been banged up all season. This is not a vintage Kansas team. In BYU, they've slumped recently, so they're looking to get back on track. But a big part of their slump, they have shot, I think, 22 of 92 from three the last three games. They're a good shooting team. There's just there's some regression. There's there's some positive regression coming their way in terms of the three ball. We saw that with UNC last night where they were allowing opponents to shoot 28% from three. Sometimes the three is just there's a little bit of luck involved. There's some variance. So I'm going to take the six and a half. I just think it's a lot of points for teams that are about even. Uh, another game I like, Villanova laying 15 to Georgetown. I like Georgetown plus the 15. Who the hell is Villanova to be laying 15 points to anybody? This is a an okay team, a fringe tournament team. I think you're paying a tax here because they're on the bubble. They're sort of a public team. Everyone knows Georgetown isn't any good, and Georgetown isn't any good. They almost lost to, uh, to, to DePaul the other night, but they play hard. I think they're going in the right direction with Ed Cooley. He came over from Providence. He's done a pretty good job wherever he's gone. So they'll, they'll fight. They'll scrap. They played St. John's to a close game. Uh, a week or so ago. So, again, this is just – it's hard to cover more than two touchdowns in these conference games late in the season. We saw it with Miami last night. We saw it with Michigan-Purdue a couple games ago. Once you start laying these 14, 15, I mean, those are just big, big numbers to lay, especially a Villanova team. They're not good on offense. They can't shoot, I think, 236 in the country uh, in terms of offense. So they're, they're not – they don't have the type of offense to run and hide from anybody. So I uh, like BYU. I like Georgetown. 
I wanted to bet Mississippi State. I thought this was a good spot to fade Kentucky off that big win against Alabama, except they really baked that this situation. It is a good situation for Mississippi State. That's baked into the number because Kentucky's a better team than Mississippi State on a neutral court. Uh, Kentucky's got six or seven NBA guys. Mississippi State, they're a tough defensive team. That's a tough place to win. Again, a bad spot for Kentucky, but laying three and a half, it's four in some spots. Uh, you're paying a tax on this line, so I don't know what to do with yeah. this. I thought about pay, taking Kentucky here, but uh, I just I can't quite get there off the big win. Mississippi State has a habit of turning the ball over, and Kentucky does have better players, but I feel like the situation is certainly baked in there. Um, is there is there anything you like? Is there anything you want to tail me on, fade me on, and anything catch your eye? Well, I, just to go back to your point on this Kentucky-Mississippi State game, I was totally in the mindset of like we talked about earlier this week with the UConn and Creighton game. Like Creighton blows out UConn. It's betting 101 that the following game you're going to fade and take the other side, and St. John's ultimately ends up getting that win in, in monster fashion and blows them out in return. I'm not sure I see a blowout uh, in Mississippi State, Kentucky in this spot, but I do think from in terms of where the line is at right now, this is more than I was willing to lay on Mississippi State against Kentucky, despite the the big win that they had against Alabama, 117-95, just an incredible performance. They had their A game. That group is so talented. This game, I think I'm just going to have to stay away from because I feel like maybe it's a, a little bit too much. I don't know. I, I, I'll agree with your concept with the the Georgetown game and taking the points when it's that high in a conference game because that's kind of an approach I have with a Mountain West game later on tonight. The latest game of the day, so if anybody wants to stay up late, 8 o'clock Pacific time, 11 Eastern tip-off on CBS Sports Network, San Diego State and San Jose State. The uh, Spartans are getting 22 and a half points in that game and I, I know that they just got blown out the last couple of games and that San Diego State is fresh off a dominant win against Fresno State, but San Diego State doesn't typically beat teams at margin like that. Fresno State is just a team specifically that they've had their number this season. Um, so I think that taking the points with the Spartans feels like a good spot in that one tonight. But we'll get to uh, more college basketball in a little bit. Von Dalzell is going to join us. NBC Sports does great work as a betting analyst for them. We'll also get to some NFL Combine and draft conversation with Josh Edwards of CBS Sports a little bit later. But we had an exercise earlier in hour one looking at the AFC where you were presenting me with odds for the divisions. Let's try to do that for the NFC here. I'm very curious what you've got going. NFC East, again, these odds are not available. They're not posted yet, so I made them up myself, and you're going to try to beat me here. So let's go NFC East. I made the Cowboys the short shot as the defending champs, plus 130. Eagles just behind them at plus 160. Giants at seven to one commanders at 10 to one. I wasn't sure who should be third and fourth giants commanders. Uh, maybe mm. you could flip those. Uh, who do you like here in the NFC East? So Dallas won this year. Therefore we need to bet someone else in 2024, right? Like no. that's, that's how it works with this division. Uh, there's not been a repeat winner since the Eagles run a four straight in 2004, but I don't trust the Eagles as evidenced by their collapse at the end of this year. Um, a lot of talk that Sirianni had lost the locker room. He has to hire two new coordinators. The, the defense at the end of the year just stopped generating pressure, couldn't stop the run. Offensively, you're going to lose Jason Kelsey, and he's important for the tush push. He's important from a leadership standpoint. There's just a lot of question marks I have about Philadelphia, but I'm definitely not going to bet the Giants or Commanders either. So I th think the NFC East, I'm either betting on history 
that the Cowboys are going to repeat, which is something that does not happen in this division, or probably just no bet at all in the NFC East. I scared you, you into keeping that wallet in your in that wallet right in your pocket. I got it. Yeah. You away. You I got it. You have no guts to bet against I my don't. numbers. My numbers are just too sharp for you're, you. My you're so good. You're so good. Yes, thank you. I didn't want to say it. I wanted you to say it. Perfect. This one, <laughs> boy, this one is really hard to make numbers for. NFC South. Uh, I might be way off here. I made the Bucks and the Falcons both 150 because I don't know what else. I don't know what else to do. Saints plus 250. Panthers eight to one. I don't know who's playing quarterback for the Falcons. Bucks, you got to give them a little respect for being defending champs. Where did I miss here? Did I miss? What do you like in this division? See, I just don't know how you can bet this division right now either because you have no idea. I would say the most appealing team to bet in the NFC South is the Atlanta Falcons, but we have no idea what their quarterback situation is going to be either. So maybe it's a similar situation like I was arguing in hour one with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I'm only getting plus 150 with the Falcons. So that doesn't seem particularly appealing for me either. You don't know the quarterback, new coaching staff coming in, but they're a team I probably believe in a little bit more. I wish I had the gumption to take a shot on Carolina, but you could not pay me even to take an eight to one shot. I need a lot more from this Panthers team um, in terms of a number. Ugh, God, why are you doing this to me, Will? I, I don't want to be like a loser and say no bet again, but anybody I feel like can what win the NFC. Anybody can win the NFC South except for the Panthers, and you're not getting enough bang for your buck in this market right now. You're just making it unbettable. Will, how dare you as an odds maker do this to me? What about Saints plus 250 no just because they almost won it last year? Nope. Okay. No All interest. Right. I did a good job. I didn't, I didn't expose myself with uh, with any <laughs> bad numbers here. Uh, a, a division you're familiar with, NFC West. Got to make yeah. the Niners the favorite. They're minus 170. I made the Rams plus 275. I made the Seahawks plus 400, and I made Arizona eight to one. What do you got here? What do you like? Um, I, it's just like similar to the price in the Kansas City Chiefs for me where I don't want to lay a number – um, with the 49ers, but I do believe that they're going to repeat. This team just remains the class of the division, in my opinion. And I know that there's upside on some other teams and people really believe in the Rams. If you forced me to take to to make a bet, I would take L.A. at plus 275. But I think... Oh, wow. I, I would. I, I mean, Sean McVay did a masterful job with that roster this year, considering what they had for them to be in the position that they were in the postseason. But I just feel like this is San Francisco's division. Um, they're so complete hard to bet against them. They're bringing back basically all of their pieces that went to a Super Bowl this year. And if they make the right defensive coordinator hire, uh, could be in a really good spot on that side of the ball too. So I don't want to lay it. I'll, I'll go with the Rams. I'll go with the Rams at, at what is it? Plus 275 because I believe that they can take another step forward and it's just a, a way that I can actually have a bet on the board. Wow, I thought you were going to lay it. I think I would lay it. So, uh, I, really, I think that, do you want to do you want to all season long lay that? I would rather find an alternate way to bet the 49ers. But, maybe bet their season win total. But that's also one where I've done this before. Where I don't want to lay 170. Then you look in week four and it's minus 400. You're like, oh, that 170 actually looks pretty good. All right, final one. We only got a, a little bit. NFC North was also very tricky. I made the Lions the defending champs plus 130. I yeah. made the up and coming Packers plus 170. The Bears plus 250. The Vikings, I don't know who's going to be their quarterback, so I made them plus 380. Any bet there? Yeah, the the Vikings, I'm like curious what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins. Are they going to work out this thing with Justin Jefferson's contract? He wants to be the highest paid in the NFL at the position. I don't know. Lions, um, bop, bop, bop. first division win since 93. I like Green Bay. Okay, let's go Green Bay. I'll, 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 take plus 170 with the Green Bay Packers and that Jordan Love is going to pick up where he left off on a masterful run at the back end of last season. 
going to be a popular pick. It's going to yeah. be they're going to be a trendy pick uh, come August when we're doing NFL content. Not that far down the road, but I kept you at bay here with some of my numbers. You were not as aggressive. You came off you, a little timid at this segment. Well, not as easy in that side of the chair, huh? I just it's so early to be thinking about these things. I have no idea what's going to happen in the offseason. How are you asking me make bets on teams that I don't know who their quarterback is? Will this is a lot of pressure. We have to hit the break. We're getting back to college basketball next with odds that are actually real. Okay, we'll be right back. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. Back here on the Lombardi Line, Stormy Bonatoni and Will Hill in for Michael Lombardi today. Remember, everybody, baseball's back. And what better way to hit off the grapefruit and cactus leagues than with VSEN's free MLB betting primer? This primer will tell you how to bet on spring training and continue all season long with our VSEN experts' World Series futures analysis. Our free MLB betting primer has basic baseball betting advice for those new to betting the MLB, plus a breakdown on how to use Saber metrics for our more data driven bettors. Make your best bet this season. Bet MLB smarter. Download the free Major League Baseball betting primer now. Again, it is for free. VSEN.com slash guide. Guide. That's V-S-I-N dot com slash guide. And our guy, Will Hill, has a few MLB season win total unders. We're going to get to a little bit later on in the show. But for now, let's stick with a little college hoops talk. Von Dalzell, kind enough to join us. NBC Sports betting analyst at V Money Sports on X. How are we doing, Von? What's going on, Betty? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me once again. And Will, I hope you're betting the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates team total under, baby. It's one of the best bets every year. They're due, though, aren't they due? I mean, eventually you're picking in the top three every year. Eventually you're going to get some talent. So I don't know. They could be a little better. That division is just so bad. Yeah, I don't know, my friend. Uh, I'm not excited. I'll be at a lot of games paying $12 for a ticket. So you tell me what to bet, and I'll try and make some money there. But I won't be betting the Pirates overs. But I'm excited to talk college basketball with you guys. Uh, maybe some NFL combine talk too. There's a lot of hoops action on the super Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we ended up having a couple of interesting games yesterday, but let's push it forward to today. Cincinnati at top ranked Houston, the Cougars laying 13 and a half points in this one total one thirty two and a half. They're coming off that huge overtime win on the road at Baylor. Cincinnati has been bad. They've lost four of their last five, including most recently an 18 point loss. Is there anything that you're looking at in this one of the national games coming up tonight? Yeah, one of my favorite teams to bet has been the Houston Cougars, and I love their defense. It's a lot easier to target teams that play defense night in, night out to rely on under. So with the way I'm targeting this is the Cincinnati Bearcats' first half team total under 27 and a half. And you might be scared of that number, but when you look at historically when these two teams met earlier in the season, Cincinnati was up on this up at halftime on Houston by three, uh, went up by seven at one point and lost that game. Only were held at 30% from three, 42% from two. And oddly enough, I expect this total to drop a little bit, but the first half under is probably a good bet in general, too, if you don't have team totals, because while Houston has the number one defense in the country, Cincinnati is number one in road games. Uh, and both of them limit each other's three-point attempts. So I'm expecting a slow physical game yet again. And Cincinnati really, really needs a resume-building win, and it could come uh, with physical defense. So I expect slow pace, team total under for the Bearcats. Vaughn, how about Virginia Tech and Syracuse? Syracuse is at home. They're laying a point and a half. How are you attacking this game? Yeah, I, I uh, struggle with this game, but I actually just finished up my article and made an official bet. So I'm taking the Hokies. 
plus one and a half. And last night I was on West Virginia to a degree. They were one of 13 teams that hasn't won a road game. Virginia Tech has won. And anybody that's going to tell you guys it's senior day for Syracuse hasn't watched in them, they have eight sophomores and a junior that plays. So this day is not important for the Cuse. Last home game was when they celebrated Jim Beheim. Now, Syracuse last in the ACC, offensive, defense, defensive rebounding percentage, three-point defense, two-point defense. This isn't the same Syracuse defense of old. And they've blown 15- and 20-point halftime leads to win by three and four against NC State in their day in the last two. So you cannot trust Syracuse at all, whether it's home or away. I understand VTEC's road splits, but I'm taking the Hokies here. They're closer to an NCAA bid than the Orange are. I love it. Taking the one and a half there. Total 153 right now in Virginia Tech, Syracuse. Let's go to my favorite league, the Mountain West Conference, which is one of the deepest leagues in college basketball this year. Uh, A fun one. I don't know if it'll be fun, but in uh, a game, San Diego State and San Jose State coming up later on tonight. This was, though, a three point game when these two met earlier this season. The Spartans are getting 22 and a half coming up this evening. Is there anything Mm -hmm. worth a look there for you? Yeah, it's absolutely insane that these teams played so closely the first time around. And you look at this number now, and you're thinking, what am I missing? But San Jose State has literally fallen apart lately. And in their last four road games, they've scored 61 or fewer points. We know the Aztecs always play great defense. But in that span, San Jose's shot 40% from the field and 29% from three. And if you talk about first half particularly is what I'm going to be going at here, I'm going to be on San Jose State first half team total under tonight. Um, they've only scored 16, 19, and 24 points in their last three road first halves. And now they go to San Diego State, who knows how to figure them out a little more. And one thing I love are teams that turn the ball over and can't shoot free throws. San Jose State, State is both of those. They've only shooting 65% from the free throw line this year. So I love the Aztecs to build a lead here, get some great defense. And in the last game, they held Fresno State to 16 first half points, okay, and 41 total. So San Diego State's defense looks right for a great performance here in first half and full game against San Jose State. Vaughn, if UConn and Houston play tonight on a neutral court, what would you make the mm-hmm. line and who would you pick? Oh, that's a great question. No one's asked me that yet because I've been talking up these two teams the storm. Um, you know, personally, I think Houston's the better team. I'd probably make this a two-and-a-half point spread at open. Um, I would be fine with three-and-a-half, though. But I don't think these two teams are that big of a difference. The main thing, Will, that I think that sets Houston up as the best team is just the the fact that they can slow anybody down and play their physical defense, but they're also okay with playing up-tempo like we saw against Baylor over the weekend. If you want to run and gun in the second half, then they'll play that style of basketball with you. But if you want to slow it down like they did against Iowa State, they could also win games like that. Um, Why UConn can do that, I think Houston's a little better in that area, so... I would make Houston a two-and-a-half-point favorite. NBC Sports uh, betting analyst Von Delzell joining us here live on the Lombardi line. When you look at those national championship odds, are there a few bettable teams when it comes to who could win it at all? Because we've seen so many instances this season where these top-ranked teams, top-five teams, have gone down and in a one-and-done tournament, it feels like there could be some parity. What are your thoughts? Yeah, while I... We say Houston and UConn are head above hills better than the rest of the teams in the country. This is the most wide open tournament we've probably seen in recent years. And while Purdue is a hot topic, that's another team I think is sweet 16 bound and probably getting knocked out. Uh, the Arizona Wildcats are another team that they may not have gotten that much better from last year if they have gotten better, but they will be a one or two seed. So I'm looking at fading Arizona when I get the chance. But a few teams I think that can make a run that I'll be looking to buy some final four tickets 
some Sweet 16 tickets when those are available. Iowa State solidified as a two seed. They could play with anybody, and they showed that again in the Big 12 this season. They got so much better from last year. A few sleepers would be teams like the Florida Gators. We talk about playing at an up-tempo pace. The Florida Gators have shown they can shoot with about anybody in college basketball, which is a defensive end they may struggle with. I cover a lot of Big Ten basketball. I think Illinois is a sleeper out of the Big Ten. I think they'll show the best value. With Terrence Shannon back, they have a guy that can go get you 30 points, and they can score 80-90, but they can also play defense when need be. And if you're looking out of the Pac-12, I mean, it's no longer a sleeper. Everyone's aware of them, but uh, Washington State, I mean, they've been very impressive. Uh, they did have a letdown spot against Arizona State, which was expected by a lot of Sharps and experts. But I do think that that's a team that could make a run in March. So I'm looking at those teams. But as, if you're talking about fades, too, do not bet Virginia or Gonzaga in the tournament. I think those teams are first-round exits with their offense. Vaughn, certain nights, Kentucky looks like a national title team, Final Four oh, team. Other teams, other nights, they look like a, an NIT team. They have an interesting game tonight, a uh, bad spot against Mississippi State. What are your thoughts on this game tonight and just uh, on Kentucky in general? Yeah, I didn't even mention them, but we did uh, some blind resumes on Bet the Edge uh, last week, me and the well capper, well capper and I, excuse me. Uh, but we had talked about Alabama, Kentucky. Two teams, explosive offenses can win you a game, but the two defenses will lose you a game any given night. I cannot trust Kentucky on the road with their defense. Obviously, they beat Mississippi State by 13 earlier in the year. Mississippi State's only lead in that game was a 5-2 to two lead. Kentucky controlled the rest of that game. But I think Mississippi State is the sharp angle. We know what it's like with unranked uh, favorites against ranked uh, road dogs. So they obviously fall into that category here tonight. So this is a pass. I think when you look at Kentucky's schedule, home against Arkansas next, home against Vandy, then at Tennessee, those two home games are much, much better spots than betting Kentucky tonight. So if you like the Wildcats, I say pass on them. Save your money for Saturday in a game where they could score 85-90 on Arkansas. Yeah, I'm with you. In addition to college hoops, Vaughn, you cover a little bit of anything, everything really good with college football and the NFL. we got crossover time coming up with the Combine this week and the NFL draft upon us. Are, are there any markets that you're looking for specifically when they drop that you're trying to get ahead of, or what's your perspective to draft time? Well, I'm certainly going to be looking at the receiver market. I think Marvin Harrison Jr., I mean, obviously he's locked in at number one for the receivers to be drafted. But I've been saying since I saw him play Ohio State-Michigan game in person, I think he could be the number one overall pick in this draft. I think Caleb Williams, fading him however you can, I'm probably going to be on his over, uh, whatever the number that comes out is. I don't trust him as being a franchise quarterback, and he's already having issues with where he's drafted. I don't think you should be able to pick where you get drafted. You should accept uh, where you fall in the NFL draft, but teams are going to be scared of him. So uh, I'm looking at basically taking an under Marvin Harrison over on Caleb Williams. Those are my two early looks as of right now. That's a hot take, Vaughn. Fun. Appreciate you. Thanks for doing this. No problem. Have a great day. You, Best of luck. You Thanks, as Vaughn. well. Good luck with your bets. Vaughn Delzell doing great stuff over there with NBC Sports' as betting analyst. We're going to keep that NFL draft talk moving forward when we come back from this quick commercial break. Josh Edwards of CBS Sports is going to drop by, and we will talk through all the goings-on at the Combine. We'll be right back. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. 
Put the VSIN experts to work for you and start betting smarter with a VSIN Pro subscription. Sign up on a VSIN Pro annual subscription today. You'll get your first year for only $199 instead of the typical price of $240. Just use our promo code Lombardi. Get VSIN Pro access to everything we do for an entire year, including our daily best bets with the leaderboard to see which VSIN expert has the hot hand. Betting splits to show you where the money and bets are moving for every game. Betting systems, premium analysis, 24 7 video access, plus our upcoming March Madness betting guide with best bets for every game and round of the tournament. Remember, use that promo code Lombardi. Get your first year of VEASAN Pro Access for $199. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Will Hill and Stormy Bonantoni with you as we welcome you back into the Lombardi line. Let's get into a little bit of NFL draft talk. Grateful that Josh Edwards is joining us, NFL draft writer, CBS Sports. And it is a busy week with the Combine officially underway out there in Indianapolis. Josh, how are you? And uh, the NFL is certainly a 24-7, 365 sport, isn't it? No question. We just got here today. The head coaches, general managers started their interviews today. So just trying to pick up some b- bits of information as it relates to uh, the draft and their free agency plans. But yeah, it's always moving. And uh, here in Indianapolis this week is uh, kind of the start of the free agency, the, uh, the offseason free agency. Josh, do you get the sense whatever happens with Fields will happen quickly? Do you get the sense, hey, the Bears are going to get rid of him and do this in a quick process? What What are you getting in terms of the buzz from being at the Combine? Well, I would say, you know, just historically speaking, Chicago has all of the leverage with the number one overall pick right now. Uh, and a lot of teams would take that right up to the deadline. You know, draft day, April 25th. But uh, given what they did last year, moving out of the number one pick as early as they did, uh, I believe it was shortly after the NFL Combine. So, uh, I think they're anticipating making a decision on Justin Fields, his future with the organization, uh, and just the direction they're going to go with that number number one overall pick, uh, you, you know, here in the next couple of weeks, next month, and then just going from there. You know, Caleb Williams is talked about from a talent standpoint as as a can't miss prog as a can't miss prospect and that he's the surefire number one overall pick. No question about it. Do you agree? Where does Caleb Williams stand in your analysis, breaking things down? Yeah, he's a unique talent. Um, you know, you still have a little bit of questions as far as his ability to operate in the pocket um, within a structure. He's obviously a fantastic quarterback once you get him in space. His accuracy making throws downfield, extending plays, all of that is appealing, especially when you look at the quarterbacks that are having success in the NFL these days. They all offer that quality. Um, so I do think that he is that number one caliber prospect, um, someone that is up there in the same conversation with Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, you know, guys of that nature. So for me, without any clarity on Justin Fields and his future with the organization, I think it would be really wise for them to go in the direction of Caleb Williams, number one overall. Josh Cousins is probably the big domino in terms of free agency. A lot of teams need a quarterback. There are some people that think Cousins could get $50 million a year, which to me is a little much for Kirk Cousins. But uh, where do you get the sense your cousin ends up when it's all said and done? I think Minnesota is going to be in the mix. Um, I think some other teams that are probably going to be in the veteran market, because that's the thing. Not everybody is looking for a veteran. Some of these teams are looking for a rookie quarterback, but there are some teams where they feel like if you just drop a quarterback in, they are ready for contention. Uh, So teams like that that come to mind would be Atlanta uh, because of the division that they're in. You've got Pittsburgh in the AFC. A couple of teams like that, I think, are probably going to be in the equation. Maybe a Las Vegas if he does not resign in Minneapolis or Minnesota, which 
I think at the end of the day, it's still very much on the table because when you're sitting there in the middle of the first round, you're not guaranteed to land one of these rookie quarterbacks. So do you want to risk, you know, waiting until April to see what your quarterback situation is going to be? Uh, or do you take the sure thing and just bring back Kirk Cousins, who is not even a sure thing in his own right because he's coming off a significant injury. So uh, that is definitely going to be the biggest domino uh, as we approach the NFL draft. Uh, and it's going to have ramifications on what these teams do in April. Yeah, he's having a career season, but an Achilles injury, especially at 36 years old, nothing, nothing to mess with from that standpoint. What what do you make of so many of these players not actually performing and working out at the combine? Like we know the top three quarterbacks aren't going to throw. Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't going to do any of the, the skill drills, uh, maybe not even at the pro day. He's not planning for those types of things. How has that thought process in the combine changed? And could that open the door for some other players to shine when maybe they otherwise might not have gotten that type of spotlight? No question. I think it depends on what level of a prospect you are. The quarterbacks, a lot of the reason that they don't like to throw here is because they're working with wide receivers that they haven't worked with. Um, You know, they're having to go through the NFL mandated throwing schedule, which is totally different from what they will do with their pro day, uh, where they're throwing to wide receivers they're familiar with where they have a private quarterback coach that's going to dictate the, um, you know, throwing session, you know, just have the entire schedule of what kind of throws that they're going to be making. So it's a little bit more structured, a little bit more of a routine, whereas here in Indianapolis, it's a little bit more of a wild card. So I think that's where a lot of these agents are saying, hey, if you're a top quarterback, don't throw here. Wait until your pro day where we can kind of control the other elements around you. Um, as it relates to Marvin Harrison Jr., because he's not doing what, um, you know, he's not doing any of the testing or stuff this week. I think because of how talented he is and his confidence in being taken in the top five overall, that gives him a little bit more reassurance as to not working out here because he has a little bit more to lose than some of the other players here have to gain. Um, now, does that give uh, Malik Neighbors from LSU an opportunity to move up the draft board? Does that give Roma Dunte from Washington, an opportunity to move up the draft board. I don't personally think that it ends up there at the end of the day, but that is a conversation that a lot of people are having. Josh, what's the consensus on where Bowers goes? The Chargers at five could make some sense. The Jets at 10. Do you think he uh, goes somewhere in between? What, what are your thoughts here on Brock Bowers? Yeah, he's really interesting because he is that caliber of a player. He is somebody that is worthy of top 10 consideration. Uh, It's just a matter of positional value. A lot of teams do not value a tight end in the top 10. So they may not take a player, uh, a tight end there in the top 10. They may value offensive linemen or a pass rusher or a wide receiver um, as opposed to that tight end. So maybe that's why he falls. Otherwise, I think he is deserving of that early consideration. Uh, The Chargers there at number five overall, I think, is a team that makes a lot of sense because of Jim Harbaugh and his usage of tight ends in the past. Uh, New York, Darren Waller is a little bit of an older prospect, uh, older player rather. And, you know, maybe that's an opportunity for them to shed some salary cap space, uh, get a little younger at the position. If those two teams do not take him, you know, then you get into the teams, you get into, a, you know, the Saints at 13, you get in the Bengals at number 19. So it's going to be really interesting because all of these teams have a different perspective on positional value. And they may not think that Bowers is worthy of that in the top 10. There have also been a a lot of mixed bag reviews on J.J. McCarthy and where he might go. What's your perspective on the former Michigan QB? 
I've always been high on him. I think he is more likely to end up in the top half of the draft than, uh, you know, slip out of the first round entirely. He's a very consistent player. He's a winner. You know, he's proven that at every level of his career, just an incredibly tough player, um, you know, consistent all around. So I think that's going to allow himself to endear himself to a team like the Broncos uh, with Sean Payton, given his history with Drew Brees, uh, Minnesota, Kirk o- uh, Kevin O'Connell, you know, working in that Sean McVay scheme, they've always valued those consistent, accurate passers, you know, so is, are those a couple of teams that could be in the mix there? And then are they going to be able to get them where they're currently slated to pick? Because there's going to be multiple teams looking to get into the quarterback market. If you do not get one of those first three guys. Um, So does somebody get aggressive and move up into the top 10 to, you know, kind of secure their place and their, their viability to get a JJ McCarthy. Uh, I think that that's very likely that the direction we're heading at this point in time. Josh, last minute or so, who goes first, May or Jaden Daniels? I will. Oh, man, that is tough because it's really, it really boils down to what Washington is going to do there at number two. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to lean Jaden Daniels, honestly, because I think with what they want to do, Cliff Kingsbury being the offensive coordinator, um, his past working with the Kyler Murray, his past working with Caleb Williams, even this past year, maybe they're looking for Daniels and his dual threat ability a little bit more uh, than May, who, you know, is a prototypical passer, but uh, doesn't quite have the legs that, that Jaden Daniels does. Josh, thanks so much for taking the time, especially while you're out there in Indy. H- have you gotten the shrimp cocktail yet from St. Elmo's? Or are you waiting till later in the week? I am waiting, waiting later in the week. I just got here this morning. So uh, other than having it alongside my coffee, I'll probably wait a little bit on that one. Well played, sir. Uh, Thank you again so much. We appreciate you. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Josh Edwards, NFL draft writer out there for CBS Sports. And uh, interesting point. If Jaden Daniels does go first, he is a plus money price to be the second overall pick. Plus 140 uh, or plus 120 rather. Drake May, a minus 140 odds on favorite to be the second overall pick. What do you think about about the commanders? Toss up. I, I really, I don't think anything's bettable. It's hard to know, uh, you know, one way or another. I don't think anything's like mispriced here. I think it's toss up. Yeah, like with Daniels, if if you think that he could go and you want to take a plus money price right now I before get you get the intel and the numbers could change, I understand it from that perspective. But it'll be interesting. It's such an information game when it comes to betting the NFL draft. We are wrapping things up when we come back here. Official plays for tonight and some futures bets on season win totals in Major League Baseball from Will. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit $5 and get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Download the app and use the promo code VSIN when you sign up. That's V-S-I-N, DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Will Hill in for Michael Lombardi today. I'm Stormy Bond and Tony. We're about a month out from first pitch of the 2024 MLB season, which actually will begin in Korea this year. The Dodgers and Padres facing off in the Seoul series. And then on March 28th, we'll have all 30 clubs slated to play on the real opening day. I don't know. Real. That's probably not a nice way to put it on the full opening day. A better way. Uh, and Will, you already are locked and loaded. You've got futures bets in the account. Let's start with your your favorite bet that you have already. I know you're targeting a lot of unders. 
Rockies under wins. There's some 16 and a half. There's some 59 and a half. Of course, shop around. The Rockies are going to be awful. They have a historically bad pitching staff, or they will have a historically bad pitching staff. You just look at the names. Oh, my goodness. And that's a bad ballpark to have bad pitching. And look at the division. I, I know the schedule as isn't as imbalanced as it used to be, where you play these teams 19 times each in your division, but they still play each team in their division 14 times. Let's just go through the teams. The Dodgers are a machine. They're projected to win 103, 104 plus games. Uh, they're going to just bury the Rockies. The Diamondbacks were in the World Series last year. Even the Padres were 1-12 in, in extra inning games. They're due for some positive regression, even though they lost Soto. Looks like they'll probably lose Snell. And the Giants, not a bad team. Maybe they end up with Blake Snell here. So they're going to get beat up in this division. They are in for a long season. Uh, I could see this team losing 105, 108, something like that. Mm. Uh, they're they're going to lose a ton of games. I wouldn't be shocked if they have the worst record. They're going to compete with Oakland, who is terrible. So uh, a tough division. That's that's a bad division to, uh, to to go into with no pitching and a bad ballpark. So Rockies under wins. Yeah, same they, line of thinking. They, um, yeah, no, go ahead. I was just going to say they haven't had a winning season since 2018. And based on what you're talking about, it sounds like that situation is getting worse before it gets better, unfortunately, for Colorado. But what what else did you like? Yeah, and it's always it's tough in Colorado too because all the players say, "Hey, the ball, the curveball breaks a certain way at altitude." Then you go on the road and it doesn't break a certain way. Like they just that's a hard place to win. It's a hard place to uh, to get pitching and to get good pitching. Uh, but another one I like Angels under. Uh, there's some 71 and a half, some 72 and a halfs out there. So we'll call it 71 and a half wins again. A tough division. Yes, they get the A's a bunch of times, but they also have the Rangers who just won the World Series. The Astros who are the class of the American League year in year out. And the Mariners, who are an you know, 88, 90-ish win team, were a game away from making the playoffs last year. The Angels, another team, shaky pitching. Trout can never stay healthy. It's been like eight years since Trout has been able to put together a 500-at-bat season. Uh, they won 73 last year, and they had Shohei, who was Superman, hitting, pitching. You lose him. Um, they're just that that's a team that just has no direction. I, I don't know why they kept trout. I don't know why trout wants to be there. They're not competitive. Uh, they're not going to be competitive this year. So that's another under. And I also like the Mets under again, shop around. There's some 82 and a half out there. It's starting to tick down because of the Senga injury, which I do think uh, is a lesson here because sometimes look, the, the books have a lot to do. They're posting NBA lines, college lines, NBA player props, hockey. There's a lot going on. NFL future starting to pop up. Uh, when a new when news like Sanga, who's the Mets only good pitcher, it comes out that he's hurt and he's not going to make it to, uh, for opening day. And who knows when I'll be back. That should move the number. And sometimes it doesn't. So sometimes these books can be slow to the punch and you can get a stale number to me. The Mets, again, just you look at that rotation. It's Adrian Hauser and Joey Lacesi and you know trying to get something out of Severino. It's a bunch of back end starters. They have no starting pitching. Now, the everyday lineup is not bad with Lindor, Alonzo. Uh, Nimo, Francisco Alvarez is going to be a big time player. They do get Diaz back. But again, you look at the division, that's 28 games against the Braves and the Phillies combined. Both those teams mash. The Marlins are okay. They made the playoffs last year. Even the Nationals were a thorn in the Mets side. They're feisty. They're getting better because of all the assets they've acquired for Soto, for Scherzer in past years, picking at the top of the draft. So expecting the Mets to get to you know, 82, 83, 84 wins and being four or five games over 500. I just think that's a lot to ask with that lack of pitching. So under on Mets, under on Angels, under on Rockies. Nobody's winning any games this year in the in Major League Baseball. Everyone's just going to lose every game. Yeah, obviously, that's how it happens. Uh, by the way, we do have an MLB free betting primer available at vcin.com. Adam Burke did an awesome job putting that together. And one of the notes that he had, as I look at just the futures board for who's going to win the World Series this year, the Dodgers are a plus 350 favorite, rightful favorites given the just absurd spending spree that they went on to bring in Shohei, to bring in Yamamoto, Teoscar Hernandez, Tyler Glass, the list 
goes on. But you have to go back to 2016, according to Burke, to find the last time that the favorite actually won the World Series. And last year, obviously, we had the Rangers and Diamondbacks who were a 50 to one and a 125 to one shot before the season started uh, that ultimately get to that point. So is there any potential like early preseason value for some of these numbers? I think, yes, it's just a matter of picking the right team. Yeah, it's very hard to sit here in February and talk about who's going to be playing yeah. in, in October, who's going to be hot in October. They've made the sport so much like March Madness. There's so much randomness. So many teams get in. Then you go to go with the, uh, the the format of the best two out of three, then the best out of five. And the teams that get by sit around and get rusty for a week. Uh, baseball's random to begin with. When you start adding extra teams, short series, you just anything can happen. So, again, I, I wouldn't. With that in mind, I wouldn't be shopping at the top of the board, the Dodgers, the Yankees, things like that. You, you missed the better numbers on the Yankees. The Yankees were actually 16 to 1 before they got Soto. I think that moved the number, and there was also a thinking, hey, maybe they get Snell or add another pitcher. They did get Stroman, who's yeah. okay. But I don't know. If, I, if I'd be shopping, it would be down the board a little bit. I don't know the numbers in front of me, but you know, maybe a team like Seattle, who's down on the board that does have good pitching. Uh, again, it's it's just so random in this. It's just so random in terms of who gets in and what happens uh, once they get in. Yeah, very volatile postseason. The Mariners are twenty to one where things sit right now. Just because need a you little were, more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they they don't get, they don't do any favors too with these prices. Like Mariners, they got good pitching. They've got you know Julio Rodriguez. That's a decent team. But again, twenty to one. Eh. I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a good in-season market, though, I think, to get in once you get a read on some of these teams and you see who's getting injured down the stretch and who you think might make a run after the all-star break and that type of thing. Um, but you made the comp to college basketball, which is where we're going to go now. I know both of us have a couple of plays in here. And our, our, our guy, Vaughn, did not based on what he was saying, care for my play today in San Jose state where I took them plus the 22 and a half points against San Diego state. He likes their team total under for the first half, which is not going to work for me if the Spartans are going to cover this number. And I agree that they are bad at basketball and they've been bad all season long and they've gotten blown out the last couple of games too. They lost by 21 to Nevada, 32 to Boise state, but the bulk of their losses will have been sub 20 and looking at San Diego state's games this year, um, big wins. As I go through their schedule, 16 points, 13, 14, 16, 12. When San Diego state played at San Jose state in January, it was a three point game, 81, 78, the final and the outside of the two games that they blew out Fresno state this year, San Diego state, I mean, their only other wins that have been by 20 or more points were against the University of St. Catherine and their season opener at Cal State Fullerton. So San Diego State just typically does not win by that margin. And San Jose State doesn't typically lose by that type of margin. So I don't know. I feel like especially given that first matchup, one of the big things that Vaughn hit on was that San Jose State's free throw percentage has not been great. They're sub 70 percent for the season, but they were 90 percent from the line in that last matchup. I don't know if they can replicate that again, but I just feel like 22 and a half points is a ton for a conference game this late in the season. That's not Fresno state. That's a lot of points. You mentioned St. Catherine. I really like that St. Catherine team, very good bench uh, and a good recruiting class coming in too. So watching out, keep an eye out for St. Catherine. They have a, an arrow pointing up for sure. You're 
very interesting man will Where, who, is, who is that where do they i've never heard of saint Catherine. did you make that up Lord, no i swear it's a real team uh but it's just you know one of the i also have the sun- one team saint Catherine. i follow this up pretty closely saint Catherine's a d1 that has to be like d1 or, or d2 or something it's it, whatever whatever it is will i couldn't tell you but i know that Let's it's get not research on it we'll get the ken palm numbers um but will uh and I, the only other bet that i have tonight firmly is the thunder minus 10 that we talked about in the nba against the rockets tonight just the superior team and they're good at home. The Rockets are worse on the road and they just beat this team the other day by a lot. So I feel like that's a good play. Do you want to recap some of your best bets for tonight real quickly too, before we go? Took BYU plus six and a half. I just think that's a lot of points for two teams that are about even Kansas still a little banged up. BYU's got some three point regression uh, coming their way. They haven't shot it well recently. I think that'll even out. Georgetown, I took the 15. I think there's some 15 and a halfs out there. Of course, shop around. That's just a lot of points for a Nova team that can't score, can't shoot. Uh, it's just that that's a lot of points. You mentioned it with San Diego State and San Jose State. It's a lot asking to cover these big numbers in conference late in the season. Sometimes they just inflate these numbers to uh, uh, for whatever reason. You know, North Carolina last night, Purdue the other night. They know who the public wants to bet and they just they inflate these numbers a bit. And I feel like that's a case with Georgetown and Villanova. So those are the two plays. I'll throw this one in there, too. At DraftKings, the Celtics and the Nuggets are plus 641 to meet in the finals. I think the Celtics are going to the finals. I think most people do. Denver, I think, is lying in the weeds here. To me, at plus 641, that's a pretty good number. And if you shop around, it's 5-1, to one, plus 450. DraftKings has a good number there. So that's a, that's a very realistic finals in my mind. Uh, good stuff. And I appreciate you filling in these last couple of days for Michael. You're awesome. University of St. Catharines, by the way. They're 21 and seven overall this year in NAIA. So there you go. We have your answer. Shout out our guy, Elliot Bowman, for coming in the clutch. Uh, That's it for today. We'll be back here tomorrow. Mike Somich will be on, uh, on the show with us for the next couple of days, which will be fun. Appreciate everybody. Good luck with your bets. Will, you're the man. I'll talk to you later.